theextraordinarychurch.ca podcast, where ordinary people experience extraordinary life in Jesus Christ. You are about to hear a message that will encourage you to become and experience all that Jesus Christ has for you. Are you ready? Open up your Bibles because something extraordinary is about to happen. As we jump right into the reading of the word of the Lord, Acts chapter 7, verse 22. Acts chapter 7, verse 22. I'm going to read seven passages of scripture in your hearing, and I'm going to do so quickly, and I'm going to time myself as well. We have figured it out the last couple of weekends. We ran into some technical difficulties and we're not able to stream live via YouTube, but we are streaming live. And so if you're watching us from home or driving in the car, hopefully you're listening if you're driving, but we're glad you're with us and we welcome you and believe that you feel what we feel. Lastly, I do want to say the last two months, everybody has navigated this championship well. I just want to remind you as you're interacting with folks outside, please, please make sure that you honor physical distancing. Uh, it just, it eliminates a lot of things, praise God. <laughs> so we're excited to see one another, but if you're not sure, if you're close enough, just think about Pastor Akil. Is, is he, is, the, is Pastor Akil's hype in between us? You know, I can have a really good conversation with Marcus right about here. It's fascinating. You know, we can have good engaging dialogue and it keeps everybody safe because we will not be known as the church where somebody got COVID. <laughs> That's not happening on our watch. Praise God. Acts chapter 7, verse 22, by the grace of God. And Moses was learned in all the wisdom of the Egyptians and was mighty in words and deeds. Now, when he was 40 years old, it came into his heart to visit his brethren, the children of Israel. And seeing one of them suffer wrong, he defended and avenged him who was oppressed and struck down the Egyptian. For he supposed that his brethren would have understood that God would deliver them by his hand, but they did not understand. And they next, and the next day he appeared to two of them as they were fighting and tried to reconcile them, saying, Men, you are brethren. Why do you wrong one another? But he who did his neighbor wrong pushed him away and saying, Who made you ruler and judge over us? Pay attention to this next verse. Do you want to kill me as you did the Egyptian yesterday? Then at this saying, Moses fled and became a dweller in the land of Midian where he had two sons. And by the help of his spirit, I want to preach this thought to you today. Come out, come out, wherever you are. Come out, come out, wherever you are. Would you lift your hands and help me pray as we usher in the presence of the Lord? Lord, we're so thankful for what we feel in this place. We do lift your name up high. You are the one true living God. There's none to your right or to your left, oh Lord God. I pray that you would anoint me today with the type of anointing that makes ministry effective. Help me to teach your word and preach your word with relevancy and with accuracy and do what you want to do in this place. Heal in this place and we'll give you the glory. Deliver in this place and we'll give you the glory restore in this place and we'll give you the glory we thank you and we give you thanks and praise in Jesus name would you clap your hands unto him <laughs> praise God you may be seated in the presence of the Lord talking about kids we all have amazing kids I'm thankful for extraordinary kids that we have here at EC uh, but kids today 
live in a very different world. They live in a very different world, a, a high-tech world. As a matter of fact, many of the kids today, and I'm somewhat of an amalgamation. I'm, I'm a Gen X, depending upon which sociologist you ask, and some will put me as a very old millennial. But here's what I know. Most kids don't know how to, to navigate throughout the day without a device in their hands. Just go out to a restaurant. I'm not blasting anybody, but just go out to a restaurant. Not even young people, young adults, some cases, old folks. They don't even know how to, they will totally ignore somebody right across from them because they're staring at a device of about five or six inches in their hand. It's interesting because all of these uh, things have produced or introduced certain challenges and it seems like this younger generation only has tunnel vision. And I'm not beating them up because I'm a tech guy. I love technology, even though I don't necessarily understand it and it doesn't understand me. Uh, but there was a time, and I can remember because I was kind of growing up when video games, the graphics were so horrible, it looked like blocks were moving, Zach. You know, I can remember that. I said, but man, it was so much fun. You would not realize how hype you can get about a game of Pac-Man. But you know what? I can also remember self-made fun. <laughs> I can remember no gadgets and no battery-operated toys. I can remember no expensive cartridges, if you will, no cable TV hookups, and certainly no Wi-Fi. All we had were the games that we invented in our heads. I mean, listen, we had games like Mother May I. <laughs> Mother, boy, don't get me started on some fierce Mother May I. Hopscotch and Tag and Simon Says, Tug of War and Foursquare. Listen, I was the Foursquare champ in elementary school. I loved playing Foursquare. Red light, green light. Praise God. When we were when we were swimming, I used to I used to love to swim. I could swim like a fish. At least I used to be able to. I haven't swam in a while. But we play in the pool. We play this game called Marco Polo. Man, we'd have so much fun. Musical chairs. People would leave with bruises because I was going to get in that last chair. And somehow, somehow, believe it or not, we could amuse ourselves all day long. With these, with these gadget-less games, if you will, and no cable, no batteries, no calls. You, you know, I mean, man, I, I was thinking about this last night. I was just listing the games. Stacy, I, I thought about duck, duck, goose. Listen, I said, if somebody wanted to challenge me in some duck, duck, goose, we could go right now. I, I loved those games growing up. One of my other favorites was hide-and-seek. In that game, you had two options. You could hide or you could seek. In the beginning, one person who's chosen as the seeker uh, would give people an opportunity to hide. And depending, I remember one time we played, uh, I was the youth pastor. I thought about this, just kind of listing the games because it was different. It was just a different day. We played something called flashlight tag. And I'll never forget this. We played at the high school I was at. It was dark, and we just let everybody run, and whoever was it, and you, you dressed up in camo, and you were just blacked out like special ops. You were hiding all over the place. And Sarah, uh, we were hiding, and you, if you use your flashlight to find somebody, and you'd tag them with your flashlight, and then they'd have to get the others. And I can remember we were playing this night, and uh, I, I was hiding. I was stealth mode. 
I was, and so people, uh, these kids, man, they had climbed on top of the high school building, all kind of stuff, running flashlights around. I'll never forget it. And uh, they couldn't find me. They were calling my name. They were calling my name. Lo and behold, uh, the cops had been called out. And the cops were wondering what was going on. Somebody had reported that somebody was on top of the high school building and lights are going on. And they thought somebody might be breaking into the high school. And so the kids couldn't find me. And they were saying, Pastor Akil, Pastor Akil, but I'm, I'm stealth mode. And they're trying to call all kind of stuff. They're like, well, the cops are here. I'm like, yeah, right. I'm like, I am not leaving my spot. And sure enough, sure enough, Sarah was doing the same thing. I come out and the cops were there with all of, the, all of our youth group. It was so much fun. It was so much fun. He, he thought it was hilarious, and we finally found my wife, too, and all that stuff. But hide-and-seek, if you play hide-and-seek, you remember you have some person, uh, one person that chooses to be the seeker. You count to 10 or maybe 100, and I can remember playing that game, and whenever I got to whatever that number was, 10, 50, 100, I would conclude by saying, come out, come out, wherever you are. In other words, I'm fixing to find you, and I'm going to find you quickly. One of the things that I want you to think about is we play a, a version of that game today. It's a different version, but it's one that we can call hide and seek nonetheless. One in which all players have two options, to hide or to seek, but in this game, everyone is tagged it. Here's how it's played. It's really quite simple. You're it. And you have to choose whether to hide or seek the Lord. We can either run and hide from God or we can say, God, I'm coming after you with all that I have. I'm coming after you with passion. I'm coming after you with prayer and fasting. I'm coming after you with submission and obedience. I'm not going to hide from all of this stuff, God, but I'm going to run after you and pursue you. Is there anybody in this house this afternoon that wants to pursue the Lord? Jesus Christ. One of the things I thought about as the Lord laid this on my heart is that yesterday, yesterday, I read this with you and I wanted you to focus in on the scripture that I read with you because did you know that yesterday is the devil's favorite word? See, the power of this word is seen in the life of Moses. Stephen gives us a brief biography of the scripture's meekest man. That's what the Bible calls Moses. As he preaches his last sermon, he being Stephen, because he was assassinated. And he brings up Moses midway in his sermon. And he says a couple of things about Moses. He described Moses as a baby. He mentioned Moses being an educated he, uh, Egyptian. He also told of Moses at 40 years of age, seeing an Egyptian hurting and in Hebrew uh, Moses killed the Egyptian we can surmise through Stephen's synopsis or sermon if you will that Moses had three uh, compartments of his life the first 40 years you've heard me say this before the first 40 years of his life he was somebody the second 40 years of his life, he was running for his life. In other words, he was nobody. Nobody was thinking about Moses. And the last 40 years of his life, Moses realized that God can use a nobody. He tells of how the next day Moses tries to settle the dispute of two Hebrew men when one of the men said, who made you ruler and judge over us? Do you want to kill me as you did the Egyptian?" yesterday see the enemy always focuses on our yesterdays 
Why? Why? I want you to look at the power of yesterday. Being reminded of the events of yesterday caused a 40-year-old man to run and hide for 40 years. I want you to understand when the enemy focuses our present attention on past failures, he has nullified our future. Don't ever become so fixated with your yesterday that you miss living the present and you miss living what God is calling you to. Some of us are too focused and looking in the rearview mirror and you'll never get where God is calling you with your eyes fixed on the rearview mirror. You need to say, God, pull me out of yesterday. I'm here to call you out. Come out, come out wherever you are. Come out of the past. Come out of your hurts. Come out of your dysfunctional habits and live in the present and reach toward the prize which is in Christ Jesus. See, obviously, obviously, I'm not saying the past is all bad. Surely it can function as a springboard into great heights. But there's a lot of things that we need to remember. Clearly, we need to remember, and the Bible tells us this, we need to remember the name of God. We need to remember the name of Jesus. We need to remember where he brought us from. We need to remember the command of the Lord. We need to remember the wonders he has done and his miracles. Don't ever forget what God has done in your life. Sometimes you need to remind the devil of what God has done in your life. You need to remind yourself sometimes and know that if he did it before, he can do it again. Has anybody been healed in this place? If you've been healed, you ought to give him praise. Remember when you were sick, but God stepped in and healed you. Give him praise. Has anybody, has God ever provided for anybody in this place? If so, clap your hands and magnify him. Remember what God has done. Remember that if we sow sparingly, we reap sparingly. Remember the gospel. The Bible instructs us to remember those in chains. Remember our leaders, but yet the enemy would not have us remember any of these things. He'd have us remember our failures and our mistakes. See, the enemy used yesterday to focus Moses on his killing of a person. The enemy uses the failures, the mistakes, the regrets, the the setbacks, the defeats, the sins, the, the words spoken in anger or haste, thoughtless actions. That's what he wishes us to focus on. I quote Joan uh, Kassmeyer and I, an excerpt of her poem yesterday. Yesterday has once again come back to let me know that my mistakes are not forgotten. Today again they show, reminding me that once again I failed in some small way. This recall is just a hint of what I've yet to pay. See, that's the message of the enemy. You've not paid enough. You'll never escape, continue to hide, continue to run. But can I tell you, you'll never outrun your past. It always catches up to you when you least expect it. That lie you told years ago, the carefully constructed mask that you hide behind, the foolish deed, the hurtful word, the careless relationship. It finds you, it fills you with fear, it paralyzes you. But let me remind you of something. God uses people with a past. Praise God. 
I thought I'd get a better response than that. God uses people today who made a mistake yesterday. And I'm telling you, don't get caught up in your mistake and let your mistake paralyze you from what God wants to do in your life. Come out, come out from wherever you are and let God use you. Come out in the light of his mercy. Come out in the truth of his grace. Come out in the freedom of Calvary and walk in the power of his spirit. But whatever you do, don't stay bound in yesterday, but walk forward into what God is calling you to. Come out, come out, wherever you are. Jacob was used mightily of God in spite of the fact that he lied and stole from his family. God renewed him and gave him a new name, Israel. Let me just pause here for a moment and encourage somebody. For some of us, some of us need to come clean. This is the reason why we've been arrested by our past, if you will, because I love this about Jacob. Jacob, when you read his life, you'll notice that Jacob was a deceiver. Uh, That was primarily what he was known for, a manipulator. And he finally has a moment of realization that, you know what? If I'm going to address the issues in my life, I'm going to have to change my ways. Now, some of you are thinking, man, how can I change? I don't understand. I'm telling you right now, when you are born again, you have the opportunity to choose. See, we're no longer a slave to sin. The Bible tells us in the book of Romans, just like we yielded to sin, we now yield to the power of God. And God has given us a choice. And so Jacob, when he has this, he has this interaction with God. And here's what I want you all to realize. Oh, I'm in the Holy Ghost. I don't want you to miss it because Jacob is running. Jacob is running, (laughs) running, caught in his yesterday. If you know his story, you know he was caught in his yesterday. He deceived everybody. He's running for his life. And as he's running for his life, he decides to rest for a moment. He rests and God shows up and deals with him. He has this amazing vision and this unfettered access and God tells him he's with him. And Jacob wakes up and he's like, oh my Lord, if I had known what was going on, I would not have missed it. Had I known that this was the place of the Lord, I'm reaching out to somebody right now. This is one of those pivotal moments in your life. I don't want you to look back and say, oh my God, if I had just realized what Sunday was, if I had realized what it meant to me, don't have that Jacob moment because Jacob had that moment. And you know what he said? Never, ever again. So the next interaction he has with Laban, he's like, you know what? I'm going to tell everything. The Bible says he told Laban all these things. In other words, he was changing his ways. He had reached a point where I'm going to be brutally honest. And then he concluded, which is why we realize when we see him, we're all very familiar with the point, the story where he wrestles with the angel of the Lord and he won't let go. You know why I believe he said he wouldn't let go until you bless me is because he realized what he missed the first time. And he said, no, 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 no. God, if you ever give me another chance and you ever show up like that again, I am not letting go until you revolutionize my life. I'm not letting go until you change me. I'm coming out of this yesterday. I'm reaching for somebody. I need somebody to get a hold of God with a praise. I need somebody to get a hold of God and say, God, I'm coming out of this. I'm not letting go unless you bless me. Give him praise. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. David, although he failed God, committed adultery and had a man killed upon repenting and returning to God. He's still known today as a man after God's own heart. Simon Peter, in the presence of many, 
denied Jesus, cursed like he never knew him. Yet he's one of the greatest leaders of the New Testament church. See, what I want you to understand is the enemy always focuses on our yesterday. I need our young people to hear me too. Praise God. Our enemy always focuses on our yesterday. But God plans my tomorrows. Praise God. See, after 40 years in the wilderness that Moses lived, God appeared to an 80-year-old man and discussed his tomorrows with him. While the enemy majors on our past, God is planning our future. I want to show you the 139th Psalm. Listen to this. How precious also are your thoughts to me, O God. How great is the sum of them. If I should count them, they would be more in number than the sand. When I awake, I am still with you. Praise God. We ought to give God praise because he's with us and he's preparing and planning our tomorrows. There was a guy who was an executive, and as he was working on a, a $10 million project, it failed miserably, and the company was really excited and invested in it, and it just didn't work out like they had planned, and the gentleman sharing this expedition uh, knew what was coming. The leadership team had called him in, and he said, well, I guess after that $10 million blunder, I can consider my career to be over. And the leadership team looked back at him and said, absolutely not. We just invested $10 million into you. We are going to make sure that we get that back. I want you to know that's how God works. Just when you think you become useless to God, he says, I hope you've learned your lesson. Let's wipe the dust off. Let's keep moving because Calvary is greater than any mistake you could have made. I want you to know, be confident of this very thing. He who has begun a good work in you, you, is faithful to complete it until the day of his return. I'm telling you, God is going to do a work in your life. Calvary blotted out your mistakes and your transgressions. At the cross, our sin was dealt with, and the Lord chooses not to remember our yesterdays, and he works on our tomorrows. Moses, will you lead my people out of bondage? Moses, I will go with you. It's one of the most beautiful passages of scripture. It's found in the book of Jonah. Check it out. Jonah had failed God. He had run from God and he probably wondered, can God still use me? And look at Jonah chapter three, verse one. Now the word of the Lord came to Jonah the second time. Arise, go to Nineveh, that great city, and preach to it the message that I tell you. Praise God. How many of you are thankful for a second time? <laughs> God told Jonah the same thing in the first chapter of the book but Jonah ran now on the other side of his failure and on the other side of his yesterday guess what a God who is rich in mercy comes again I'm telling you your future means more to God than our past my God I wish you would help me get a hold of this thing I'm trying to encourage you this afternoon to let you know that you're not bound by your past God wants you to walk free God wants you to walk in confidence victory because of what he has done hallelujah <laughs> praise God and then point number three that I want to give to you today is and this is this is this is this is this is part of it <laughs> here's the deal see a lot of us have such a tough time receiving uh, receiving things this is really it I'm so tapped in right now because there's some of you all who are not receiving the invitation to be free because you have a tough time receiving stuff. 
And like giving, let me just help you out right now. Like giving and receiving go hand in hand. So let me just burst your bubble. You can't really truly love to give if you don't love to receive. You can't. Let me tell you why. If you, if you claim you love to give but don't want anybody to give you anything, let me burst your bubble and tell you what that is. That's manipulation. But when you give, you're open. Your hands are open. And if you're truly giving, then guess what? You're in a position for somebody to put something in your hands. How can you give with closed hands? No, you can't. And so I'm telling you, if you're like, oh, no, 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 no. You need to learn to give. And so what we need to do is give God our yesterdays. <laughs> give God the hurt. Give God the pain. Give God the anger. Give God the resentment. Give God the frustration. Give God the regret. Give him the oversight. Give him the mistake. Give him the do it again. Give it all to him. And when you give it to him like this, guess what you get to receive? His mercy. His grace. His forgiveness. Praise God. This is why This is why some of us have a tough time and we're trapped and we're bound because we haven't truly learned to give. And I'm telling you, this would change everything in your relationships, in your family. You would be able to drink deep and enjoy this life. God is trying to help you. You want to experience extraordinary? This is it. Learn extraordinary generosity and give and receive. I've seen it all too often, Mia. I appreciate that smile, by the way. Praise God. Just such a pretty smile. But anyway, I won't embarrass you. So, you know what? Uh, I've seen it all too often in life. I have gone people on their deathbed. Oh, God. Gasping for breath. All of a sudden, it hits them that they're about to be gone. And they gasp out, I'm sorry. I wish I would have loved you. I wish I would have forgiven you. I'm so they're, they're desperate. You can see the bitterness. You can see the regret. You can see it haunting them saying, why was I so petty? Why was I willing to be so prideful? If I would have just let it go, if I would have known this would have been my last day, I would have loved deeper. I would have given more generously. I'm trying to reach for somebody today and tell you extraordinary is here. And it's here if you receive his goodness. Oh, God's trying to call us out. I'm calling you in love. I'm not mad at anybody. Let me be clear. But something has happened in this COVID-19 environment that is causing us to bury things. It's causing us to hide things. It's causing us to run from things. And we're unwilling to confront things. And I'm here to prophesy to you, if you don't get out of those dysfunctional habits, you're going to find yourself bound. You're going to find yourself bitter. You're going to find yourself heading in a direction you don't want to go. But the grace of God and the goodness of God is here this afternoon to intercede on your behalf and say, stop, come out, come out, wherever you are. See, all we have to do is receive God's mercy. If left to our own devices, we deal with the past in one of two ways. We run from it or we ignore it. But neither way is right. God would have us accept and receive his mercy today. See, the devil delights in the past. Only God delights in our future. We must deal with today. And for today, there's fresh mercy.
Praise God. Praise God. Lamentations 3.19. As I begin to wrap up and our musicians begin to play softly. Lamentations 3.19. Remember my affliction and roaming. The wormwood, the wormwood and the gall. My soul still remembers and sinks within me. This I recall to my mind. Therefore I have hope. Through the Lord's mercies, we are not consumed because his compassions fail not. They are new every morning. Great is your faithfulness. The Lord is my portion, says my soul. Therefore, I hope in him. I love one translation says it like this. The Lord can always be trusted to show mercy each morning. Praise God. See, God is planning our tomorrows. He's already lived through our todays. And he left enough behind. He left enough mercy behind to help us make it through each day. John Maxwell, who I'm a big fan of, he wrote this. He's a leadership guru, if you will. He wrote, and I quote him, For every possible predicament of man, there is a corresponding grace of God. In other words, for every particular human need, there is a particular supernatural resource. For every definite problem, there is a definite answer. For every hurt, there is a cure. For every weakness, there is a strength. For every confusion, there is guidance. If you accept God's mercy, look it square in the eyes just like David did and simply say, I have sinned. I am the one that's responsible. Or forgive others. Don't hold a grudge or harbor resentment. Forgive yourself. But whatever you do, don't be bound. Come out, come out. Wherever you are. I close with this passage. Isaiah 58 and 11, it reads, The Lord will guide you continually. And satisfy your soul in drought. And strengthen your bones. You shall be like a watered garden. And like a spring of water whose water do not fail. Those from among you shall build the old waste places. You shall raise up the foundations of many generations. And you shall be called the repairer of the breach. The restorer of streets to dwell in. Why don't we all stand? Praise God. Reminds me of a song uh, my friend Brian Pound sings. It's titled Midnight. And in that song, he says, yesterday ended at midnight. Praise God. It's a powerful reminder that every day is a new day and a new beginning. And today, God wants to give you a new beginning. Praise God. You know what I feel? I feel so strongly. Fear is a spirit, the Bible says, and fear torments, fear paralyzes, and fear, you know what people do when they're afraid? I, I'm, 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 can, I, can I just be brutally honest? This, this might be uncomfortable, but we have, we have, we just need to have real talk. I've seen people, I've come out, and I'm just minding my own business, and maybe I'm walking around the corner, maybe I have my ears in or I don't. Somebody wasn't expecting me. They're like, oh, God. Or they're over there, and I'm like, and I don't, I'm, not, I'm not even paying them any attention. I don't even know they're there. They act like I'm about to attack them and kill them. They're just afraid. 
Fear makes you do all kind of crazy stuff. I could go down the list. People don't act rational when you're fearful. You'll do things in haste. You'll do things in reacting. You'll do things that will harm you, those that love you, or those you love. And if we're not careful in this season, I feel like fear is trying to grip us and snuff us out. But God is calling us, saying, I haven't given you a spirit of fear. But I've given you one a power of love and a sound mind. In other words, I don't let things play with my mind. I don't let the news media play with my mind. I'm not telling you don't watch the news. You watch it if you want to. It makes me no difference. But I'm telling you, that's not what dictates and rules my world. I'll tell you what dictates and rules my world. It's the Word of God. It is my life. It is health unto my flesh. It is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. It will not pass away. Every promise in this book is mine. Instead of listening to the CBC, I wish you would listen to what the Lord says and let him open up and speak to you. Open up your heart and speak to you. If there is any day where we should be shining bright, it's now. This isn't even in my notes, but I feel like the world is calling the church. Come out, come out, wherever you are. Is there anybody with an answer? Is there anybody with joy? Is there anybody with hope? Is there anybody with a solution? If so, come out, come out, wherever you are. He's calling us. We didn't come to fear this day. We came to shape it. And God is here touching. I am done. I'm saying this in love. I'm preaching to myself, but I am done with church as normal. As a matter of fact, there's no normal to go back to. Can I just tell you, you can hang yesterday up. You can hang yesterday up. <laughs> if you keep looking like, oh man, I remember January, February, March, it was great. Church was this. All of us, 140 of us could come in here together and hang out and blah, blah, blah. Yesterday is gone. Yesterday is gone. But today, today is here. We will serve the Lord today with gladness. We will reach people with gladness. We will see God move with gladness. And can I tell you, we didn't envision it. We had to do two services. I told the team, well, we got to do three. If we have to do four, if I have to do one on Saturday, whatever it takes to help ordinary people experience extraordinary life in Jesus Christ, this we will do. Praise God. So you know what? I want us to just take a moment and say, God, stuck if you're stuck <laughs> and if you're not sure if you're stuck say God help me reveal to me if I'm stuck <laughs> I don't want to be stuck stuck in yesterday stuck in the past stuck in yesterday's expectations bound by yesterday's mistakes God I want you to call me out don't you hear his spirit saying come out come out he knows where you are but he wants you to acknowledge it first just like what he said to Adam. Where are you at, Adam? He knew where he was. He simply wanted Adam to acknowledge it first so that God could do a work in his life. Thanks for listening to our podcast. 
Join us next week for another message of hope and life in Jesus. If you like what you just heard, we hope you'll pass along our web address to all of your friends, extraordinarychurch.ca. We are a young church plant with a lot of people living an extraordinary life in Jesus. If you're looking for a way to become better connected to what God is doing, email us, info at extraordinarychurch.ca. We'd love to hear from you.